Hebrews chapter number 6, beginning with verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, put him to an open shame. Those have always been some very fierce words when I read the Bible. He said, if they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance. He said it was impossible for them to or to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God and bring him or put him to an open shame. I want to use just a phrase out of the first verse of our text in verse number 4. He said again, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. I want to use that one phrase and use that to title our message this morning. Partakers of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Partakers of the Holy Ghost. Father, thank you for the word of God this morning. Thank you for the anointing to preach. And I pray, Lord God, for anointing to hear and to receive what the Spirit would say into the church this morning. Speak unto every heart and life. Touch us, O God. Fill us, I pray. Have your perfect way in our hearts and lives. Minister to meet every need today, Lord. We ask it all in Christ's mighty and wonderful name. If you love Jesus, would you say amen? Amen. In studying out this passage of Scripture, uh, Sister Madeline asked me, does this mean backsliders? people who have been filled with the Holy Ghost and turn away from God, backslide on the Lord. Does that mean it's impossible for them to be saved again, that they can come back to the Lord and be born again? She said, if so, then that's really scary. And I said, well, these verses are really frightening to any born-again believer, to any Holy Ghost-filled believer when you read them. But in order to really properly understand this passage, remember it is in the book of Hebrews. This passage of Scripture was written to the Hebrews, the Jews, and under this condition or or under these circumstances was it written. They were considering turning back to Judaism from the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were considering going back unto the law from the message and the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. You have to understand there was a ton of pressure being placed upon them as the early church. What kind of pressures? There was the Jewish economy. People wouldn't hire you. People wouldn't do business with you. People wouldn't recognize you. As the early church, they stood out. Jesus was despised and rejected, and they were being despised and rejected. 
And in that Jewish economy, it would have been a lot of pressure to go back. This is not going to work out. We're not going to be able to do this. Not only that, you had the temple. They were no longer allowed to go into the temple, and the temple to them had been everything for their whole life, a place of worship, a place where you meet with God. They were thrust out of any local synagogue. They were simply unwelcome to worship anywhere. Pressure from their families to go back unto the law of Moses. Pressure from the rabbis. Everyone who had ever ever been a comfort, who had ever been a help, who had ever been an arm to lean on and ear to bend was pressuring these new Christians to go back. I'm not just speaking of just new converts. So the Apostle Paul said that they had been partakers of the Holy Ghost. These were spirit-filled believers. They full well knew who Jesus was, what he came to do, and that he fulfilled the law and had tasted of the good Holy Ghost, the power of God. For them to go back to Judaism... Animal sacrifices, types, symbols, shadows, was to crucify the Son of God afresh every day. You see, those sacrifices typified Christ. They were a type, a symbol, a shadow of Christ who was to come. So to offer a sacrifice was to symbolically crucify Christ afresh. And Christ had already once been offered for all men and for all time as the sacrifice for all sin. There was no more need for Christ to ever be crucified again. There's no more need for Christ to ever be placed upon the cross again. There's no more need for Christ to do anything else to atone for the sins of man. He said, it is finished. It is done. That work is complete. No more need for the sacrifice of sin to be offered. So in returning to sacrifices for their atonement, they could no longer be forgiven. Because there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. He said, if you're going back to the type, the shadow, that that points to Jesus. And you're going to offer the bullock. You're going to offer a lamb. You're going to offer a goat. I, I preached on those offerings at the RV park this morning. If you're going to offer those things, they point to Jesus or they are a type of Jesus and you really are crucifying the Son of God afresh every day. He said, but if you go back to the law, the only way you can find true repentance is through Christ. The only way that you can be born again is through Christ. The only way that God will allow you into his heaven is if you come through the door, his son, Jesus Christ. So if you are going back to the law or reverting back to sacrifice in the temple, you can't find repentance. 
You can't be renewed unto repentance. This is what he was saying. Not that it was impossible for them to ever come back to Christ. But if they were trying to use another means or find another way, that is impossible. There's only one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man come to the Father but by me. So they couldn't gain proper forgiveness or repentance because they were bypassing their only means of true forgiveness and repentance, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. We have to acknowledge Christ in order to be saved. If you leave him, you cannot find repentance and salvation apart from him, meaning you may leave, you may turn your back on the church and cease to serve God. But if you ever intend to make it to heaven, you'll have to come back to Calvary. You'll have to come right back to the feet of Jesus and you'll find yourself right back in the church. It's the only way. Not only were these Jews going back to Judaism, they were doing so as partakers of the Holy Ghost. They had been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and were now turning back. What's there to go back to? Once you know the power of the Holy Ghost. Back to death, back to carnality, back to religion with no power. What Paul stated was a form of godliness denying the power thereof. Why would we want to do that? How could we do that? Paul said, my soul shall have no pleasure in them that go back or turn back unto perdition. To go back, to leave this spiritual, heavenly, powerful state of being, this baptism of the Holy Ghost, being filled with God's fullness, to go back to a form, a ritual, or a routine would be sin against God. As partakers of the Holy Ghost, we are filled with God's fullness. And do you know to be filled with the Holy Ghost is God's will for every believer. To be filled with the Holy Ghost is God's will for every believer. In Ephesians 5 and 18, he said, Be filled, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But did you know in verse 17 it says, And be not ignorant of what the will of the Lord is. And verse 18 tells us what the will of the Lord is, to be filled with the Spirit. So do you know for us to try to live in the flesh, operate in the flesh, uh, and do anything in our lives outside of the power of the Holy Ghost would be a sin against God. Anything less than to be filled with God's Spirit is to turn from God's will and go backwards. What does it mean to be partakers of the Holy Ghost? It means that we have received the Holy Ghost. That we have received Him. We have received His power. He can be and must be received. In John 7 and verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, 
which they that believe on him should receive. You know, there are some things as believers we should do. And as a believer, you should receive the Holy Ghost. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Then in John 14 and verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth them not, neither knoweth them, but ye know it. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The world can't receive it, but the church should receive it. John 20 and verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Acts 1 and 8, but ye shall receive power after the, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Then in Acts 2 and 38, then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 8 and 15, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Then I can remind you of Acts chapter 19, the apostles' words to 12 men in the coast of Ephesus, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Listen, ask, and you shall receive. Well, if the Lord wants me to be filled with the Holy Ghost, he'll just give it to me. No, he won't. If the Lord wants me to be healed, I'll just wake up and feel better one day. No, you won't. If the Lord wants me to be saved, he'll just save me. No, he won't. You have to ask. Salvation is the gift of God. Healing is a gift of the atonement. And the Holy Ghost baptism is the gift of the Father to His children. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. If you'll keep doing these things, uh, you cannot help but to receive. If you'll do what God says do, then you will receive what God said that you will receive. Stay. Terry, wait. He said, Terry... Until you've been endued with power from on high. Wait for the promise of the Father. He promised that he would send the Holy Ghost. He said, don't, don't fall short of the promise. Don't accept anything less than what God has promised you. So stay, Terry, wait. Listen, not to do so. The Bible said to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is a sin. Right, listen, salvation is the prerequisite of heaven. You don't get to heaven without being saved. 
Because I, I get, you know, people get sideways with me when you preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You just need to stick to salvation. You just need to uh, just to, to stick with the message of getting people saved. I had a guy tell me one time, we, we, you know, we focus on getting people saved. All you guys focus on is people speaking in other tongues. I said, not true. Never been true. It's not that there's not an emphasis uh, on uh, on speaking in tongues. But if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you will speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gives the utterance. But the emphasis is on walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. Amen. How can we, having begun in the Spirit? Live in the flesh. If we live after the flesh, we'll die. But if we through the Spirit mortify or kill or crucify the deeds of the body, then we'll live. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's no existence. There's no room. There's no place for the church in the world apart from the Holy Ghost. The Bible said in Him we live. In Him we move. In Him we have our being. We're born again of the Spirit. We're filled with the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. We're Spirit-filled people. To, to, to fall short of that. To not seek. After what Christ commanded us to seek after. To, to not be filled when we are commanded to be filled. If we know it's for us and fail to even ask for it, then that becomes sin unto us. We receive the Holy Ghost by faith. It's the same way you receive salvation. It's the same way you receive healing. You receive any gift from God by faith. Every good and every perfect gift cometh from above. It has to be received and it has to be received by faith. Listen to this in 1 John 3 and verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Well I thought it was by faith and not by works. Let me read it again. And whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. It's by faith. Not of works. You can't earn the Holy Ghost no more than you can earn salvation. No more than you can earn your healing. But listen. Faith without works don't exist. If you have faith in God, you will live for God. If you have faith in God, you will walk in obedience to God's Word. True faith, biblical faith, faith that's birthed in you by the Spirit of God produces good works. It's simply saying this, if I do what God says do, then I have faith that God will do what He promised He would do. There, there, there's nothing holding the promise from me 
If I'm saved, born again, and walking with God in obedience unto His Word, I should not expect anything less from God. Sin is the only thing that will separate you from God. And when sin has been dealt with, when sin has been tacked to the cross and crucified, when the flesh has been put down, you can stand on the ground of faith. You can stand in expectancy, waiting for the promise of God. We partake of the Holy Ghost as we yield to it. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Whom God hath given to them that obey him. You look that word up, obey in the Greek. It means to them that submit to him, or them that yield to him. To them that simply do what he says to do. God won't pull your strings like a puppet. God won't use you like a wind-up doll. No more than he will make you praise him. He will not make you receive the Holy Ghost any more than he will make you praise him. Any more than he will make you pray. Any more than he will make me preach or make you worship. That's not the way God works. But seemingly we feel like when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then God simply steps out of his character and changes his whole order the way he operates. Uh, and that if, if I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, then it'll just be God that talks and it won't be me. Well, let me correct your understanding. It will be you that talks. But it will be God that gives you the utterance. You know, there have been a lot of times I, I feel the Holy Ghost. I mean, he said, out of you, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. He told the woman at the well, it'll be in you like a well springing up unto everlasting life. I have felt the Holy Ghost before just springing up on the inside of me. I felt the Holy Ghost say to me before, just take you a lap around the bill. Just run. My God, somebody's going to think you lost your mind if you run. I have. We have the mind of Christ. It don't make sense for somebody to run around a church. No more than it makes sense for somebody to run around the house or run out in the yard and jump up and down when somebody scores a touchdown. But they do it because they're moved by that. 
They're influenced by that. Well, I'm moved by the Holy Ghost. I'm influenced by the Holy Ghost. Victory. I feel victory in my soul. Just as if Christ put his foot down on Satan's head. Like he did on the day at Calvary. There are times in my life when Jesus puts his foot on Satan's head. And says leave him alone. It's enough. Take your hand off of him. I feel chains fall off. Shackles and fetters come off of me. I feel victory rise up in my soul. Makes me want to shout. Makes me want to leap. Makes me want to clap my hands. But at that moment when I'm feeling all of that victory, God never makes me do it. The Holy Ghost moves on me to praise God. Hallelujah. It's me. I'm the one that lifts my hand. I'm the one that gives the Lord a wave off. I'm the one that says hallelujah. I'm the one that says thank you Jesus. But it's the Holy Ghost that's leading me to do it. God gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey Him. Amen. God has given the Holy Ghost. Christ has been glorified. Christ died, rose again on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and has poured out His Spirit upon all flesh. And the Holy Ghost has now been given. It's the promise of God. So when your sins have been removed, when your life has been washed and cleansed by the uh, the blood of the Lamb and by the washing of the water of the Word, and and there's no you know uh, sin separating you and God, and He's your Father and you're His son or you're His child, you can stand in the place of expectancy. And when the Holy Ghost is being poured out in a service, uh, just like it was Wednesday night and just like it is again this morning, uh, when the Holy Ghost comes, uh, you have to yield your members unto Him. I've always said, That every time he comes, the utterance is there. You just have to yield to it. Every time he came in the scripture, he always came speaking. Always look for yourself. All throughout the scriptures, every time a person in the Bible was filled with the Holy Ghost, they spake with other tongues. Oh, Simon the sorcerer. Bible said they sent when Philip preached the gospel to them, they received the word with gladness. And they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the city was filled with great joy. Revival was taking place. People were being saved. The Bible said that when the church in Jerusalem heard that the city of Samaria had received the word of God and were being baptized, they sent Peter and John unto them that they might pray for them and lay their hands upon them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as of yet, none of them had received the Holy Ghost. And Peter and John went down and laid hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Ghost. And Simon, the sorcerer, offered Peter money. 
And he said, I pray you that you would give me the gift that I might lay my hands upon people that they too might receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, He's seen something. To know they had got the Holy Ghost, he's seen something. He heard something. When Peter preached to Cornelius' house, the Bible said while he was yet preaching, the Holy Ghost fell upon all of them and they received the Holy Ghost. That shows you salvation comes by faith because the Holy Ghost won't fill a man that hadn't been born again. But while Peter's preaching Christ, they believe in their heart on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saved in his whole house. And the moment he's saved, he's now a candidate to be filled. And he's filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter goes back uh, to James and the church in Jerusalem and said, I perceive that the Lord is no respecter of persons uh, because unto the Gentiles the Lord has poured out His Spirit. Uh, and I have seen them get the Holy Ghost the same as we did uh, in the upper room for we did hear them uh, speak with tongues. And that's what we preach and what we label and what we call as the initial physical evidence of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Somebody said, well, I got it and I don't speak with other tongues. You felt him. He's moved on you. But you hadn't been baptized in his power. Say, brother, that's mean. You ought not say that. You ought not to be a judge. Only thing we've got to go by is what they got and how they got it. I believe that with all of my heart that when we cease to speak in other tongues, we will cease to be a Holy Ghost filled church. We will cease to be a Pentecostal church. There is that movement that wants to take that out. Of our fundamental truths. We need to take that out. We, we're not so sure about this speaking in tongues. Well there's a lot of independent. Non-denominational organizations. That don't speak in tongues. Join up with one of them. There's a lot of nominal churches. That don't even believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Join up with them. But I say to that younger generation, to those young preachers, if you don't believe that speaking in other tongues is the initial physical evidence of being filled, then get out. See ya. I've preached. Hey, I've, I've taught this in the ordination school, in the ordination classes to young preachers. We, we, we've lost our identity. Do you know that less than 5% of the membership in the Assemblies of God even claim the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you know what that means? We're Pentecostal in name only. That means that only a, a small fraction of a percentile is even Pentecostal. Do you know what that means? We're Pentecostal in name only. What that tells me is the pulpit ceased to preach. The pulpit ceased to burn. To go back. To go back is sin. To go backwards doesn't please God. Paul said, my soul has no pleasure in them that draw back. We're to be filled.
filled. And when we're filled, it's not about the tongues. I bought the shoes. The tongues just come with the shoes. I didn't buy tongues separate. Tongues comes when you get the. It comes when you get the Holy Ghost. I don't exhort people to speak in tongues. It comes when the Spirit gives the utterance. I make no apology for it. That's not the emphasis of my message. But I certainly take nothing away from it. Amen. The tongue is set on fire of hell. And the Bible said no man can tame it. And it kindles a great fire with gossip and sin and backbiting. No wonder when the Holy Ghost come. He said I want that tongue. It's the smallest member but it can kindle the greatest fire. Let me set that tongue on fire of the Holy Ghost. When a man's tongue has been tamed by God, you know he's born again. You know he's full of the Holy Ghost. No wonder God wants to speak. But before he can speak, you have to yield to him. Amen. I've watched people yield every member of their body but their tongue. Holy Ghost move on them. Hands go to shaking. Holy Ghost move on them. Hands and legs go to shaking. Holy Ghost move on them. They fall out on the floor and roll around. Holy Ghost move on them. Stammering lips. They cry. Tears are flowing. I just get in their ear and say, you've yielded your hands. You've yielded your legs, your feet. You've yielded that chin's quivering up and down. You've yielded your eyes. They're pouring with tears. Now yield him your tongue. Let him speak. Let him talk. Amen. God won't make you do it. When the Spirit comes, He'll give you the utterance. You have to speak. Listen, we partake of the Holy Ghost as we cooperate with the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. A manifestation. That's the open or the outward display or appearing of the Spirit of God in people's lives. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. If the gifts of the Spirit are operating in the church, everybody profits. The Bible said that a man that speaks in unknown tongues edifies himself because he speaks mysteries unto God. But when a man speaks in tongues openly in the sanctuary for everybody to hear what we would call a message in tongues. He said then he ought to also pray for the interpretation that the whole body might be edified. Because when he spake in tongues, it was a mystery to those that heard. And when he spoke with the interpretation, all understood. So he said, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given... 
by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. You know if I had a word of wisdom and wouldn't speak it. It might profit me but it ain't going to profit nobody else. If I have a word of knowledge but won't open my mouth and speak it. It profits nobody. To another faith by the same Spirit. The gift of faith. I thought God gave unto every man a measure of faith that he might believe he does. For by grace are you saved through faith. God gives every man a measure of faith when he hears the word to believe the word that he might be saved. But there is a such a thing as the gift of faith. The gift of faith, the only way I can describe it is this. There have been times we've been having church and the Holy Ghost moves on me and I've gave out a message in tongues. There have been times we've been having church and the Holy Ghost moves on me. Somebody else give out a message in tongues and the Lord moved on me to give out the interpretation of the tongues. There have been times that we've been having church and the Holy Ghost moved on me and gave me a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. And don't ask me what is the exact difference, the ands and the ors. I'm not, I'm not so keen to say that I rightly know. But I do know I've been standing right there before behind that pulpit and the Lord has said to me, tell Sister Mary Rayleigh that whatever that was that she's been so, he didn't tell me. He said, but tell her that that she's been worried about. And praying about, I took care of it this morning. It's gone. That's been done. She came to church the next week, stood up and testified and cried, said, I hadn't told you, hadn't told Homer, haven't told anybody. But they had found something and I went to the doctor and had it tested. When I went, it was gone. Hallelujah. The very next week, Sister Diane Sharp was standing right here. We was praying for somebody. She was standing right here. And the Lord said to me, tell her that what I did for Sister Mary Rayleigh last week, I just did for her this morning. I didn't say it to everybody. I just got down in her ear. I said, what the Lord did for Sister Mary last week, whatever it is you've been dealing with, praying about, Lord said, he's taking care of that this morning. It's gone. She began to cry. She came back the next week. Said they had found a a spot, a lump. Thought it might be breast cancer. Had to go back the following week to get it. They're going to do a biopsy to see what it is. When they go back with a biopsy, it's gone. It's not there. Hey, that don't, uh, that don't happen all the time. Only way I know to tell you, that's, that's the gift. Uh, of a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. I have no way of knowing that, uh, but the Holy Ghost does. Uh, And then, uh, you know, this gift of healing. There have been times I can't describe it to you other than that when I see somebody stand in the altar, the Lord says to me, lay your hands on them. I am going to heal them tonight. And before I ever lay my hands on them to heal them, 
The faith is there. I already know that it's going to be done. Many times I pray for people with faith that God is a healer. And that the Lord can heal and that the Lord will heal. But I just don't certainly know if he's going to heal them or if this is going to be a sickness unto death. So I simply pray knowing by faith that God is a healer. But there are some times when the gift of faith is in operation. I know that when I lay my hands on them, they are going to receive a miracle. Sister Vivian Wiggins standing right there one night and the Holy Ghost said unto me, lay your hands on her and when you do, I'm going to kick start her kidneys uh, and she's going to be healed. And I laid my hand on her and I said, Sister Wiggins, uh, you're healed right now in the name of Jesus. She was going to set up an appointment with a kidney doctor to be set up for dialysis and he run the test on her. He said, why did they send you to me? She said, because my kidneys are only functioning at a very low percentage and I've been really sick. He said, ma'am, I've run test after test after test. He said, have your kidneys been working recently? She said, well, yeah, I was going to tell you. The preacher prayed for me at camp meeting the other night and they've been working just fine, but I thought I'd still better come and let you check me out. He said, lady, there ain't nothing wrong with your kidneys. Not one thing. All I know to tell use that's a gift that that comes from the spirit Uh, but if that gift of uh, healing comes and you're not willing to lay your hand uh, on somebody and tell them you're healed in the name of Jesus and they're going to die God's not going to make you do it he said to another the discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues that's the message in tongues to another the interpretation of tongues all these worketh at one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. You have to cooperate with God in the gifts of the Spirit in order to be partakers, that all might be partakers of the Holy Ghost. You know what's going to make your children want to receive the Holy Ghost? is when they see you partaking. In the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. When they see you partaking in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. You can't have the gifts of the Spirit without being filled with the Spirit. I know you receive the fruit of the Spirit when you're born again. Evidence that the Spirit is present and at work in your life. But you cannot operate in the gifts of the Spirit until you've been baptized in the power of the Spirit. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Again in Acts 2 and 4 it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place with one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. Listen to this. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with tongues, with other tongues, as the Spirit gave the utterance. Notice, they, they spake. The Spirit gave the utterance. It didn't say, and the Spirit 
spake through them as he gave them the utterance. They spake. It's you talking. It's the Holy Ghost giving you the utterance. In Acts 6 and verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. And then in verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. To be partaker of the Holy Ghost is to be a partaker of His power. It is to yield to him. It is to cooperate with him. And it is to operate, function, live in his power. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Stephen was not a preacher. Stephen was called out and chosen to be a deacon. But if you're full of the Holy Ghost, If the opportunity arises, uh, you'll preach to somebody. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, if the opportunity arises, uh, you'll pray for the sick and they'll recover. Hallelujah to God. These signs shall follow them that believe. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Kirsten, if you come help me, I'm close. To partake of the Holy Ghost, we partake of His holiness. We partake of His holiness. His name is holy because His character, His nature, and His working in us is holy. If God is holy, he said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Therefore, he fills me with the Holy Ghost. Why? To make me holy. Holiness is more than dressing different than the world. I'll never forget going to Holiness Church over in Westmobile. Here, a preacher went to hear Brother Ben Shaw preach pastor in Arkansas for years and years at Independent Holiness Church. He's a great preacher. That night he preached on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was awesome. Me being a young preacher, he gave the altar call. He said, if there's any preachers in here, I want you to come down. Any prayer warriors, I want you to come down. I want you to help me pray for these that need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He gave the altar call. He said, if you're here and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I want you to come and these dear folk are going to lay hands on you and you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. woman come down to the altar. She was, I think, 75, 
I'm guessing, but it was in her 70s. I do remember that. 75, 79, it was up there. Man, she had on a long skirt. Didn't even have a split in it. A, a long dress. The dress had long sleeves in it. I mean, her hair up, one of them old beehives, one of them holdless buns. You know what I'm talking about. If you've been in Pentecost for any time at all, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't take nothing away from it. God bless them. Those were our forefathers. They handed us. They handed us the churches that we, most men pastor today. They lived it. They might have preached it, but they lived it, I'm telling you. They seen their dead raised, their sick healed. That old woman we prayed for, I thought we was praying for her to get healed. I honest God did. She was a weeping and a crying. After a few minutes, she just shaking. She said, I need to sit down. We sat her down. I said, ma'am, what is it exactly wrong that's wrong with you? What is it exactly you want us to pray with you about? Because I, I was the one who wanted to help sit her down. She said, son, I'm one of them. He said, come to altar. I need the Holy Ghost. I said, how long have you been saved? She said, I've been coming to this church my whole life. My mom and daddy came to this church. I've been in this church my whole life. I said, well, the way you dressed, I'd have thought you'd been full of the Holy Ghost a long, long time. You'd be praying for these young people. She said, I dress like this because my mama taught me to dress like this. I dress like this. This is the way my pastor preached that a woman ought to dress. I learned that night. You can dress different from the world. Still not be holiness. Still not be holiness. Holiness being full of him that's holy. Living like Jesus. Amen. Doing what Jesus would do. Whatever situation or circumstance arises in your life, it's being Christ-like. Amen. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you will partake of His holiness. Whatever that entails, you'll come out from this world. You will be separate. There will be some things that He will tell you, don't wear that. <laughs> Amen. I know that's unpopular, but he's going to tell you, no, don't wear that. Amen. That don't cover up enough. That reveals too much. One other reason I tell you that is because he's told me. Same Holy Ghost has told me, Nah, don't wear that. That's going to reveal too much. Amen. I know we live in Baldwin County. I know everybody else is doing it, and I know it's popular. I can tell you, I can count on one hand. Brother David's been here his whole life. He's seen a lot of preachers come and go. He knows I'm raising the assemblies of God. You can shake your head just like this, Brother David, if I tell him right. How many preachers has run off with another woman? Run off somebody else's wife. You know why? Because he's flesh. He's flesh. If you get to staring at somebody else's flesh long enough, well, the works of the flesh are going to take over. 
And the Lord told me a long time ago, there's parts of you I don't want you showing off. Because I don't need other women looking at you. I want them looking at my son. Man, that wasn't a good point to close a message out on, I know. It's just weird to me that holiness is a shunned word in God's house when God is holy. His word is holy. His spirit is holy. I'm called to be holy. Amen. We make fun of a man when he wants to live as holy as he can live. But we applaud the man that says you can be as much like the world and still be a Christian. That's backwards. To be partakers of the Holy Ghost is to be partakers of his holiness. Be partakers of his power. Be partakers in, in, in the gifts, the operation of the gifts, to cooperate with the Spirit, to yield to the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit. Amen. If we'll be partakers of the Holy Ghost, amen, I believe it'll keep us till the trump of God sounds. I don't know how. I don't know why in Hebrews chapter 6 that after having tasted of the good Holy Ghost they said we want to go back to offering lambs when the Holy Ghost had already showed them Jesus is the Lamb. I don't know why they wanted to go back to dead worship when they had been in a place where the Holy Ghost rushed through like a hurricane like a mighty rushing wind and filled all the house. I don't know about you, but I don't want to trade this in. This is not for sale. Not what we tasted of around here Wednesday night. That's not for sale. Not for what I've seen the Lord do in my life, in my family's life. That's not for sale. That's not up for barter. I don't ever want to go back. Amen. If you do or if you have, there's only one way you're going to make it in the city. You're going to have to come back. You're going to have to come right back to where you left, right back from where you started. God wants you to be a partaker of the Holy Ghost, to be filled with the fullness of God. Father, thank you for your word, your spirit, your touch, your power. As we feel this altar this morning, I pray you'll fill our hearts and our lives. Men and, one, uh, men and women and young people here today that need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. God, I desire there's men and women and young people that have already been filled, that are already partakers of the Holy Ghost. But God, somewhere along the way, we've ceased to operate in the gifts. We've ceased, oh God, to walk in the Spirit. We've ceased, oh God. We're trying to turn back to weak and beggarly things, our flesh. We're trying to operate in the realm of the flesh. God forbid it. God forbid it. Help me. Refill me this morning. Rebaptize me. Oh, God, whatever you say, wherever you lead me, I'll follow. I need others to follow me as I follow Christ. I need others to be partakers of the Holy Ghost, oh, God, as I operate in the gifts of the Spirit. 
I need others, Lord God, to hunger, to thirst, and to desire for what I have when they see the Holy Ghost flowing out of my belly like rivers of living water. It's your answer to everything as far as the church is concerned. This Holy Ghost and fire is keeping me alive. Amen. She's going to sing that song again. We call out to dry bones. Come alive. Come alive. He said prophesy to the wind, son of man. And command the wind to breathe upon these slain. That they might live. Hallelujah. The word wind there in the Hebrew is spirit. Prophesy unto the Spirit of God to breathe upon these slain that they might live. That's the wind that blew upon the early church in the upper room. Up out of the ashes of obscurity, God birthed the church. From the death and the ruin, the decay of sin, rose a church in the power of the Holy Ghost. And we're here right now this morning because that same Spirit is breathing upon the church of the Lord Jesus Christ right here and right now. Let's find us a place in this altar this morning.